Welcome back to The Curious Clinicians, a medical podcast that asks why. I'm Tony Brew, and I'm joined as always by Hannah Abrams and Avi Cooper. Hannah, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Excellent. Avi, and you? I'm doing great. It's great to be seen. All right. So tonight, or today, we're going to be diving into a question that may seem a little bit intuitive, uh, but I suspect has a little bit more beneath the surface. And so that question is, why do bone metastases hurt? Hannah, I think this was your question. So why don't you start us off by telling us why did you think about asking this one? Yeah. So uh, some of our listeners may know I am currently in the process of applying to oncology fellowship. And maybe you guys can relate to this too. When I have spent time on inpatient cancer services or treating patients with cancer, I have found that bone pain is one of the most challenging sets of syndromes or syndromes to, to treat. And the more and more I have talked to people who are having bone pain from cancer, the more I have felt like there are a couple of different syndromes associated with bone pain. Like, for example, there's the patient with leukemia who has packed marrow, and it's like a dull pressure, or a sharp pain in someone who has a pathologic fracture, or just that like gnawing, hard to pin down leg pain uh, that you then get a, a scan and it turns out to be a new bone met that you just found. And so as I've thought about it, I've realized that it, it doesn't actually make sense that bone metastases would hurt so much because I don't think of the bone as being really richly innervated typically. And all of those things, all of those like, this doesn't make sense to me made me realize that we should do it as an episode. Yeah, this really has sort of, I guess, you know, there's a personal component for me, at least regarding fracture pain. Um, I, I vividly remember, um, how much my Jones fracture, my fifth metatarsal fracture in high school playing basketball hurt. And I remember the surgeon sort of explaining to me why, like, why it was hurting so much. And because I think he knew I was interested in medicine. And he said something like, you've got this thing called the periosteum and, <laughs> and it, and it's full of nerves. And so that, that's really stuck with me. So, uh, I remember how much bone pain can hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I broke my arm. Yeah. I, I broke my arm in first grade. I, I definitely was not pre-med at the time. And so don't recall any reference to the periosteum, but I do remember that it hurt quite a bit. Um, and here we are now. So you guys are right. We should probably talk first, I think, about the structure of a bone. And shout out to our wonderful orthopedic colleagues who really know this super well. We'll go through in kind of a big picture fashion how bones are made up. So if you imagine in your mind just a long bone, like a cross section of a long bone, like a femur, as you go from the outside in, the first layer that you're going to see is the periosteum, which is what your surgeon told you hurt a lot. Um, and periosteum literally means around the bone. So it is a thin layer of cells and fibrous tissue that goes around the bone. And it has a relatively rich nerve and vascular supply. If you go just a little bit underneath that, then you've got the cortical bone, which is this thick, densely packed layers of mineral deposits. And that's part of where the hardness of bone comes from. And then Underneath that, at the middle of the bone, is spongy bone or cancellous bone, sometimes called, which is made up of these looser, webbed networks of bone with gaps filled in by bone marrow, which, of course, as we know, produces our beloved uh, new blood cells. And so just to give you guys a sense of like where are the nerves, like Avi, to your, to your surgeon's point, for every hundred nerve fibers in the periosteum, there's only one 
um, or only two in the spongy kind of central area of the bone, and only 0.1 in the compact cortical middle layer of bone. So the periosteum is really the source of a lot of the nerves in the area. Yeah, but I'm guessing that if you you know, break the bone entirely, as happened to Avi, as happened to me, you kind of make your way through all three of these layers, including all the nerves involved. And, and you know, if you hit all the nerves, that's probably going to lead to to pain. Is that, is that right? Yeah, exactly. So, for example, if you had a transverse fracture of your humerus, if you just like cut through the humerus completely, you would go through all those three of those layers. And the majority of your pain, obvious, as maybe your surgeon told you, would come from the periosteum because it's so richly innervated. And if you think about it, and, and the periosteum is going to be sensitive to a lot of things, but also to mechanical sort of stimulation, meaning that if your bone is literally moved out of the way and your periosteum is literally being stretched by that, putting it back into place, fixing that mechanical um, stressor is going to make you feel better. So that's often why we um, reduce fractures quickly and, and people feel better after we reduce fractures. It doesn't just help with healing. It also helps a lot with pain because we're putting the periosteum back into place. But how is bony metastatic pain really different than a fracture though? I mean, what's to say that it also isn't just pain from the periosteum being stretched or broken or sort of disrupted by whatever's going on with the tumor inside the bone? Yeah. So I think there's a couple different ways that we could kind of sense that they're different. I, one of the first ones I think is really the fact that it's what people tell us. The pain itself that people describe is really different from a fracture pain. So fracture pain is typically sharp, localizable. Um, the patient can tell you exactly where it hurts and probably will. By contrast, bony metastatic pain oftentimes is this kind of diffuse, it's pressure-like, hard to localize. And so we know the pain syndromes themselves are different, which tells us there must be something different about sort of the sensation and the physiology. So, Beyond so, that, we know that sometimes bony mets are not always extending all the way through the bone. So if, we, if is one of the things that we know based on the sort of the different kinds of pain, the idea that the, the nerves responsible for the pain are somehow different? Like could there be different innervations depending on, on sort of if you're in the periosteum or some other section? Yes, exactly. Um, so to think about this, so we've talked about the three different layers of bone, the periosteum, the cortex, um, and then the center of the bone, the spongy bone. There's two others, or there's one other sort of category that we need to talk about, which is the types of nerve fibers that give that sort of transmit pain. And there's two big types of pain-carrying fibers that we see inside of the bone. The first is a, a group of nerves called A-delta fibers, and then the second are C-fibers. So A-delta nerves are, you may remember some of this from medical school, they are myelinated, meaning that they can carry signals more quickly. And because they can carry signals more quickly, they're good for localizing pain. So if I hit your arm with a hammer- Please don't. Evolutionarily. What? Please don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would not be humorous. Um, but if I hit your arm with a hammer, you're, you would need your A-delta fibers to catch it quick so that they could move your, your, you out of the way. Um, and so you would feel it pretty immediately. That's that sharp, immediate, localizable A-delta fiber pain. 
On the other hand are sea fibers, uh, which I think of them as being like a little bit more meandering. So they are not, they are unmyelinated nerve fibers. And so they carry small, they're small fibers that carry pain signals often from kind of a broader area and carry different types of stimuli. So often chemicals, heat, etc. So if I lit a match under your arm, you would start to feel it more slowly than you would feel a hammer, right? You would feel the heat slowly come on as pain over a couple of seconds because the C fibers pick up the heat over that area and they're not myelinated. So they go back to your arm, to your brain slowly. So if you were going to think about which type of pain was behind your fractures, which do you think? I would guess A delta. Yeah, exactly. So that first painful hit is probably the A delta fiber. And then the C fibers are probably part of the soreness from recovery, some of the diffuse sort of like pain as as things heal. So that sounds like that would suggest that C fibers are at play with the types of bony pain that you're describing from cancer metastases that are are different and almost feel deeper than say, you know, a pure fracture pain. Is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So but what's what's activating them then? Like we're not exactly lighting a match under the bone marrow to sort of turn on those C fibers. I, at least I hope we're not. Ideally not. Ideally not. That would be, a, I think, a pretty old school type of cancer therapy. Seems like something that would be on bedside rounds. But um, this is, I think, where, where things get kind of physiologically interesting. So uh, I said earlier that one of the types of um, bone pain that is described in patients who have cancer is this sort of vague, escalating over time, pressure-like pain, in the bones, uh, sometimes gets worse um, with using that area. Before we did this episode, if I, if you had asked me, I would probably have said that, I don't know, you know, my, my simple-minded thing was like, there's bones, bones hurt when they get fractured, and therefore bony cancer pain is probably from like micro fractures that are being compressed over time. I don't know if you guys thought maybe the same thing or ever had that thought. I mean, that, that makes a lot of intuitive sense, but I'm going to assume that that's actually not what's going on. So what would be the alternative? Yeah. So it probably is what's going on for some people and in some situations, Uh, but it's not, interestingly, the only thing at play. So there have been a variety of, of sort of experiments over time to try and look at both histologically and then functionally what what causes pain in bones. Um, and specifically, let's think about like what causes pain in the bone marrow, since we already sort of know what causes pain in the periosteum. And there's a, a series of experiments in dogs um, where they injected saline into the bone marrow of the dogs to increase and then measure the pressure inside of the bone marrow in order to assess whether that caused pain. And they were able to prove that, yes, it did, and measure sort of that coming back. They did similar with like noxious chemicals, so like bradykinin, in order to test for whether this was happening within the bone marrow itself. They also tried with temperature, but it's very challenging to like reduce the um, the actual temperature inside of a living animal's bone, um, and we're not able to do that. But so we know from these kinds of experiments that increasing the pressure inside of just the bone marrow will cause pain, probably through both the C fibers and A delta fibers in some sort of combination. And also noxious stimuli inside of the bone marrow will do the same thing. So what could be the chemical or pressure stimuli in bony metastatic disease, assuming that these forces are playing a role? 
Yeah. So I, I would have really anchored on pressure. I really would have thought like packed marrow, which definitely is probably a component for some people. But it turns out one of the most interesting things that I found looking into this is another reason, which is the other sort of piece of what activates these C and A delta fibers. We talked about pressure. We've talked about mechanical stimuli, especially of the periosteum. And then the last piece is chemical stimuli. And so what chemical stimuli are there in sort of a in, in cancer-related bony metastatic pain. So it, you guys might remember going back to medical school that inside of the bone, um, there is a balance between osteoblasts and osteoclasts. So the osteoclasts break down old bone and the osteoblasts build up new bone. Osteoclasts resorb um, bone using an acidic environment to break down the mineral deposits. So Osteoclasts are literally using acid to break down old bone, and that's part of how they do their job. So tumor cells and a lot of different types of tumors that sort of create lytic lesions will stimulate rake, ligand, and rank binding, which stimulates the osteoclasts to mature and start eating up bone. In order to do that, they create a more acidic environment in the bone marrow. And then that acidic environment stimulates C-fibers and causes bone pain. That's... Really cool. That's amazing. An un- unfortunate, yeah, right, and, and painful, sort of ast- astonishing. Really fascinating. Yeah, almost astonishing. Yeah, and so you know we can conceptualize all of these different ways that undoubtedly do contribute to a lot of people's pain syndromes: pressure, mechanical stuff. But one of the one of the things that is kind of that insidious pain, and particularly in lytic lesions, is that like acidosis over time. I, I've never linked in my mind bone pain and acid base issues before, <laughs> but now I, I should. Well, I a feel like we should be doing environment. It, 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 we should be doing blood gases. I bet I guess of the sort of center of the bone in, instead of I doing think an if AVG. You have an IO and you're pulling a gas Ooh, off of it. Yeah, there you go. Sort of a different clinical syndrome yeah, altogether. Probably. Um, some of the other sort of, so this is, this is just one piece of like a whole field of literature, I should say some other sort of like evolving ways in which we know that tumors themselves can cause pain inside the bone marrow are actually directly releasing pain stimulating factors themselves like nerve growth factor. So you can imagine they're getting the stroma, the supportive stroma around them to grow. One of those things is nerve growth factor. So building more nerves, which can cause more pain. Um, and stimulate C fibers directly. Also just compressing the nerves themselves with tumor cells. And then there's a whole burgeoning field of research on tumor-induced central hypersensitivity, where these tumors actually like stimulate hypersensitivity and nerve, nerve growth over time. But altogether, all of what it says is that the tumors themselves are actually changing their own microenvironment, making it more acidic and resorptive, and doing all of these things that stimulate often C fibers and probably A delta fibers as well. And that is what drives weird, hard to pin down bony pain. I think I heard you mention that many of these sort of acidic environments are created by the lytic bone lesions. Do we have like a similar physiology for the um, osteoblastic uh, bone mets? Yeah. And I, I wish that there were a little bit more literature on this. Um, I was able to find a study in which they actually directly compared basically mouse reactions to having osteolytic versus osteoblastic lesions. And so what they did, they used a sarcoma model for um, osteolytic tumor and a prostate cancer model for osteoblastic. It's sort of a mixed osteoblastic, osteoclastic. And then they injected these into mice 
and measured how many times they flinched uh, per two-minute period, which is a a, a tough experiment. Um, And what they found, though, is that the osteoblastic group, actually this sort of mixed osteoblastic-osteoclastic group, did have fewer pain-related behaviors, um, but still a pretty significant amount. And then histologically, they actually looked at the bones of these animals, and they found that there was – so there is still some osteoclastic activity – some sort of acidosis. And there was also a lot more nerve growth and neorevascularization. So maybe contributing to this idea that like the way that the tumor affects the stroma around it and causes more nerves to build up contributes to that idea of sort of bony pain building over time. But it is interesting. So two two sort of interesting things from that paper. The other one being that um, anti-inflammatories seem to actually be more effective in osteoclastic lesions, suggesting that ant- decreasing the inflammation and that driver for osteoclast activity actually might be more beneficial in osteolytic lesions than um, than blastic lesions. And then two, really understanding that I don't think I ever would have thought about these two as two different pain syndromes, lytic and blastic lesions before right. before this. Yeah, I definitely didn't either. Going back to the the idea that you mentioned that osteoclasts make the uh, bone more acidic to be able to resorb it and that that contributes to pain, does that mean that we could make the bone marrow more basic and actually treat the bony pain? Challenging to do, it turns out, but such a cool idea. I think one of the proofs of concepts of this is that like things like bisphosphonate, so like preventing the bone from resorbing, does seem to help pain. Just all this, also in the same way that sort of anti-inflammatories do. Denosumab also is something that like affects this axis. There are so that nerve growth factor um, (NGF) is the subject of like a drug that was in development and has been in development for a really long time, which is called uh, tenezumab, but it's not yet clear if like activate or if affecting the way that tumors signal nerve growth and the local environment and nerves directly uh, it's it's not clear that you could inhibit that and actually cause a clinical benefit you alluded to um, anti-inflammatories and steroids a couple times and, and I feel like when I've treated patients who have um, bony metastatic pain one of the things I'll often hear from palliative care doctors is that steroids are are quite effective. I think you've mentioned this, but can you just reiterate a little bit like how do they work for this kind of pain? Yeah. So I, and I should clarify uh, some anti-inflammatories like NSAIDs, for example. So anti-inflammatory, like inflammatory stimuli will increase osteoclast activity in general. But in the big picture, glucocorticoids themselves reduce bone modeling. That's why they cause osteoporosis and osteonecrosis. They therefore decrease osteoclast activity. Uh, and that is why um, they can help with bony pain. You know, and I'll have to admit, I always thought that it was like swelling. I, yeah. I think of steroids as like decreasing swelling and yeah. all of this is being kind of mechanical. But it turns out it actually affects the osteoclasts themselves. This has been super fascinating, Hannah, and I really appreciate um, your sort of delving so deep into this issue. I guess one other question that I had, I've come across some some literature about maybe VEGF contributes to can can have some sort of can can contribute to pain syndromes and obviously we know the the role that that VEGF plays in in tumors and and so wondering if you saw anything about that that might relate to your question. Yeah, 
So the VEGF kind of accesses another whole field within thinking about how does how do tumors affect their own microenvironments and how does that play into cancer-related bone pain? I don't know as much about the VEGF sort of axis, but I think it's kind of an example of how much both the field is growing and also uh, how much we have left to figure out about how tumors affecting their own microenvironments kind of drives bone cancer metastasis pain. But it is really interesting. I wonder if we could bring it all the way back to uh, to clubbing the the second or third episode. First of episode the show. one was it the first episode? Wow, uh, it has been <laughs> such a ride since then. Um, so I, I'm gonna have to look into that. Well, all right. So so we're not gonna cover VEGF in, in great detail tonight. But uh, um, Hannah, I think you did cover a lot. So maybe you can give us some take home points. Yeah. So for me, one of the biggest take-home points from this episode is just to really know how much of a multifaceted entity cancer-related bony pain is. And it it's going to make me think, I think, a lot more about what specific syndromes is the patient telling me about and what is the specific patient's specific cancer and how might that actually physiologically be changing the way that they're sensing their bony pain. The other take-home is the Bone, it's not all just fractures um, that are driving uh, cancer bony pain. I think one of the key differences and one of the key things to think about is that cancer pain um, in bones is transmitted by both A delta fibers, where which are sharp, kind of somatic, localizable pain, and that dull, diffuse pain is typically transmitted by C fibers, and that these fibers are activated by mechanical pressure and chemical stimuli, and that some component of bony metastatic pain is probably from pressure and mechanical stimuli, but that there's also chemical stimuli that are driven by the tumors themselves, especially osteoclast resorption and acidosis in the environment. Fantastic. So that wraps up another episode of The Curious Clinicians. Thanks, as always, for joining us. As a reminder, you can join our mailing list at curiousclinicians.com to stay up to date on episode releases and have detailed notes delivered directly to your inbox. We can continue to partner with VCU Health to offer CME and MOC credits for physicians and other healthcare professionals just for listening to this episode. For more information, visit ce.vcuhealth.org slash curious clinicians. And as always, the information contained in this episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Until next time, we've been the Curious Clinicians. Curious Clinicians.